In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Two things before uh, start the sermon this morning. One is, there is heat, but there's no air conditioning because the HVAC is being completely redone. So I apologize as it gets a little bit warmer. I don't know how warm it is outside, but maybe at some point we can open a door and try to create a cross draft uh, if it is actually cool outside. Because it's... It's a 50? Okay, that's cooler than it is in here. So, uh, the second thing is that uh, at the end of the service today, well, almost to the end of the service, uh, blessed be the name of the Lord, uh, we will basically start our procession, all of us getting into our vehicles as a modern procession, uh, and going all the way down to the lake for us to be able to do the blessings of the water. For the, We are in the season of Theophany, and uh, this was the first available Sunday after Theophany for us to be able to go and bless the waters there at Mountain Lake. I'm going to, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can't get enough of those. Today in the epistle reading, we have um, a very fascinating account uh, from Paul. Let me read from Paul. Therefore, he says... When he ascended on high, he being Jesus, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, we have a little parenthetical phrase here. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Paul here, quoting from the Old Testament, refers to Jesus, the one who has ascended on high. But what does it mean that he has ascended, but that he has already descended? In the feast that we have most recently celebrated, Nativity, and in the season of Theophany that we are currently in, we see the descent of our Lord. Where is Christ born in nativity, in the icon? Where is he depicted? In a cave. What is a cave but the depths of the earth? The earth opened and Christ, the Son of God, lying there within the depths of the earth. Theophany. Where does the icon have him? But almost seemingly, especially in this icon that we have, it almost looks again like he's in the depths of the earth as he is plunging into the depths of the Jordan. As Paul says, he who descended is also the one, as we look to Holy Week, as we look to the Pascha, the resurrection of our Lord, but also to his ascension and is sitting at the right hand of the Father, that the one who descends into the earth, into the water, into all of what it means to be a human, is also the one who has ascended above all things, that he might fill all things. In the verse that Paul quotes, he continues, he gives gifts to men. What are the gifts that God gives in Jesus Christ to men, to all of us? I think we will start, of course, with salvation, right? 
that God has bridged the gap, that he has brought us back into communion with himself. For Paul, in this descent, this accounting of the descent and the ascent, has accounted for the entire economy of God's salvation. That God became one of us in all the depths of humanity, and that he has raised our nature all the way up back to be seated, seated rather, at the right hand of the Father, so that we have, as the epistle to the Hebrews says, access to the Holy of Holies. There is no barrier. God has destroyed the barriers. He has brought us into full communion. And he gives gifts to men. He brings peace. He brings salvation. He brings the fullness of communion. But Paul here, that's not what he's talking about necessarily. Paul, when he says, gives gifts to men, he says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. That might be a little bit of a curveball. So Christ descended and ascended into the heavens and filled all things. So the gifts that he gives to men are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Yes, Christ gives us in his descent for our salvation and his ascent, salvation, communion with him. But something that I think that we very often forget is that he didn't just give us individual salvation. You're saved, you're saved, and you're saved because you've got the understanding that Christ descended and ascended for your sake. But the gifts that Christ gives on his ascent, if we could wrap this up in one word, is church. He gives us church. He gives us the assembly of the saints, but he specifically gives the gifts that he gives to men are apostleship, prophethood, evangelism, pastors, teachers. The body of Christ is a gift that Christ has given to the world. For we are, as the body of Christ, we are the womb of the new creation. We are the beginning of the end. That sounds ominous. <laughs> Christ led captivity. I love this phrase. Captivity, our sins, our chains. He led captivity captive. And he gave us each other. He gave us a church. And this church, as we see it's apostles, prophets. We have offices. And we've been blessed here at St. Anne's, especially because we have a perfect icon that just happened last week of this gift to men that Christ has given us. We were able to see our Father in Christ, Archbishop Alexander. We were able to see also the ordaining, one of the gifts that Christ has given to men, the ordaining of a deacon. For from the very beginning of the church in the book of Acts, the gift that God has given us in the church has always been an ordered and organized body of Christ headed by bishops, the apostles, uh, attended to by priests, and then also served by deacons. 
Why do deacons come about in the book of Acts? What is the story in the book of Acts? Why, why do we get a deacon? Does anyone remember? To serve the poor. The women who are being uh, left out. So we already have there an icon, the Hellenistic women, yes. The women who are not a part of the inside group. The deacon is assigned to attend and make sure that those of the body of Christ who are not being attended to can be attended to. Now, the deacon, or deacons, as there was a multitude of seven, if I, believe, if I remember correctly, there's seven deacons that are brought together. So there's one aspect there, service to those who are not being served. The church recognized a need, and then they put deacons into action. What was the other reason why they had a deacon? It's bound up together, but there was another reason. Yes. To free up the presbyter so they could do their work. So that they could attend to the study of scripture and to the preaching and teaching. Deacons are not, therefore, then, uh, I want to say middle management. <laughs> I don't think that would be a gift God has given us. <laughs> No offense to all middle management, I've been there. (laughs) But the deacon is an icon, not just of the office of deacon, just as the presbyter is not just an icon of the office of the priesthood, but the icon of a deacon is one who serves, one who makes sure that those who are not being attended to are attended to. The one who makes sure, and this is a physical thing, right? They are to attend to the tables, So that the priests, so the apostles, can attend to the other gifts that are given here. Pastors and teachers. Those that can spend their time in scripture and be able to bring from the fruit of the study and the prayer that they are set aside to stand at the altar for the sake of the whole community. For at the beginning of this epistle reading, before Paul does the kind of uh, mini dogmatics lesson about descent and ascent of Christ... He says, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We have deacons serving, and especially uh, liturgically, and you can see in all the actions, when right before the end of uh, the Treparian sequence, before we have, oh God, save the pious. This is, will be new, it'll become old hat eventually, because you'll get used to a deacon. But you have the deacon turn to the priest and the priest gives a blessing and then the deacon goes out. And you can see all of this because the doors are open. There is in the diaconate an icon of the entire church, of the gifts that all of us have, that there's an ordering to the church, that there is a particular person put in charge. The bishop has put uh, me as the rector here. Not so that basically the buck stops with me so that everything also falls on my head. Uh, That's why I have this thing around my neck. (laughs) That it's a weight of all of you. And I don't mean that in the negative sense. (laughs) But that is a weight. And that's exactly why it's put over you for the remission of sins, for absolution. But then the deacon does not have an epitrahelion around his neck, does he? He instead has the epitrahelion divided in half and put around his shoulder 
so that he can do things with his hands, especially serving in the altar. The deacon is an icon of all of the body of Christ. What does the deacon mean? What does the word mean? Servant. We have iconically before us now in every service, one who is leading us in the prayers, the one who goes in and out. Think of this, in and out of the sanctuary. Just like we do. In our prayers, in our offerings, he comes to be a part uh, of the body that's assembled to lead in the prayers, and then he goes inside, and then he comes back, and then he goes in, and he goes back. Just like we, we come into the church on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, on Saturday evening, on feasts, like breathing. We come in, and we go out. We come in to be able to receive from the table our Lord and Savior, And we go out into the world to serve, to pray, to lead prayer for the world, just as the deacon does. This is all uh, a part of the basic gift that God has given us, the church. Yes, he has given us the gift of salvation. Yes, he has given us the gift of himself. He's also given us the gift of the entire ordered and organized church. That we all have a part to play because we have all been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. We have a bishop who has to look over a hundred different communities to make sure that everything is in order, being done according to the faith, as he has the express responsibility of protecting the apostolic teachings, the dogmas of the church, who Jesus Christ is, and then how we are to live as Christians. The priests have the express responsibility of being basically the deputized bishop in the local parish who has the responsibility for hearing confessions, for serving at the altar, for preaching and teaching and maintaining the doctrines of the church. Deacons are then our icon of that active part of life, the one who goes in and out, the one who helps to serve the tables, the one who leads in prayer, the one who attends to all those, even those that feel like they're just on the outskirts of the church. We have all been given this great gift for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You have a grace given to you. You have... Every single one of us has a responsibility. We image forth the priest and the deacon. Right teaching, right action. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy. This is all incumbent upon us. And it is a gift given to us from Christ himself. That we may all grow in the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man. And what is that? To grow into the entire fullness of Christ. That we intercede for the entire world, especially those who assemble themselves together at this place, at St. Anne's. That we pray for them and that we serve them to the glory of the kingdom of God. For our God has given us many gifts and you are one of them. Glory to Jesus Christ.